Chapter 8 The first live show was suddenly close. No longer a vague goal, it now had a shape and a time in the diary. Their routine was about to change. No more poker games that finished long after midnight. Ernest sat with Esme in the back of a taxi after a successful night at the tables. This part was never going to last forever, Ernest said, feeling heavy and irritated. Part of that irritation was impatience. The poker money was just to warm them up and keep them out of trouble in the evening. It was killing time for him. The coke money would make it look like pocket money, but it had to remain his secret. The more emotional she became, the less likely he was to let her in on the secret. He kissed Esme on the forehead. Try to make the best of it, he said. I know it's hard, but this is the size of the favour you granted Georgia. This is the reason you came. She shrugged and sniffed and they continued in silence. And with the live shows came the travelling. No longer fixed in one place day after day, they would have to travel nearly every day, unless they were in a large city like Manchester, Newcastle, Glasgow or Edinburgh, which could take two or even three shows and still fill the house. But those large cities also opened up wider avenues along which Ernest's drugs could travel. The next afternoon, they all travelled together in Esme's SUV rather than on the tour bus. But a combination of nerves and excitement made this drive their quietest yet. Esme drove, Georgia alongside, with the boys in the back. Ernest practised knuckle touches with Henry, who smiled tightly but didn't laugh. I can't hear myself think, muttered Esme, killing off the last pockets of fun in the car behind her. The first night had the added advantage of being the same venue where they had already held several dress rehearsals with full kit. No surprises, every piece of equipment, lighting, all the instruments, exactly where they expected them. It didn't get any easier than this, but things would become less organised when they left Leeds in two days. Their car pulled up to the stage door. There were small huddles of punters all around the car park. Some of them streamed in on foot from the bus stop or the train station. It was still two hours before they were due to go out, and a support act had been booked to take the edge off the crowd. Ernest wondered what the pressure was like for a band to be filling vast auditoriums like this, 30 years after making a top-selling album. What had all these people been doing? Every time they moved house or tidied out the loft, the vinyl would be spotted in a box. Ernest hadn't been in the studio recording the album, but he had taken it on the road. He had played his small part in making it the success it became. Perhaps there was just a little more pressure on him tonight than he realised. They walked through the giant doors into the backstage area. These vast caverns were usually immaculately arranged, with every piece of equipment in its place, no matter how small. The smaller items in particular needed to be kept tidy. Ernest glanced over the reels of cables, the lighting rigs, the giant speakers, the spare drum kit. Henry grabbed his hand. It's amazing back here, he said, and then ran off giggling. He had perked up. Everything seemed right. Georgia gave Henry a big hug and then watched him walk with Esme out into the auditorium. She waited in the wings with Ernest as the warm-up act marched out onto the stage. They started playing a few seconds before the lights came up. Ernest shivered. It had been a long time, but the crowd were not lit. You could only see them if you really tried hard, and most of the time you were just trying to listen to the musicians and keep it sharp. Ernest gave Georgia a big hug. 
Good luck, love, he said. We made it. The show opened with one of their singles from the most successful album. Nothing too famous, nothing they would use in an encore, but popular enough to get cheers and set the mood. Ernest looked for Henry and Esme a couple of times and gave them a discreet wave. They had all fulfilled their destiny tonight. Now all they had to do was repeat the cycle. The British leg was just a few short weeks, and neither Ernest or Georgia wanted to think or plan beyond that. After the show, Ernest and Georgia sat alone at a bar in the city, away from the band, who had gone straight to a late-night club, and away from Esme, who had taken Henry to bed at the appointed hour of nine o'clock. They were slowly meandering back towards the hotel. Ernest thought that it was like the first time they had sat together at a bar, when they were total strangers. To our first night, said Georgia, and raised her glass. Of many, we hope, Ernest replied. I've never really thanked you for, you know, she said. He waved a hand in the air. No need, no need. I probably wouldn't have done it on my own. It's pretty terrifying, isn't it? She nodded. That's partly why they did it, of course. And thanks for looking after my sister for the last week or so. Ernest shrugged. He had certainly over-delivered on that score. No, really, I, I started to think we shouldn't have brought her until you calmed her down. I think she just needs some new challenges. Her kids are teenagers. Georgia nodded. They didn't really need her any more, or not in the same way, or not for as much of the time, or whatever that happens to kids when they hit twelve. He didn't really know or remember that, but he got the idea. I kind of miss you, he said. Now isn't that weird? Jealous of Henry? <laughs> Get off it. You just want a drinking buddy. You got that with Esme, I've seen the aftermath. I don't think she's looking forward to this babysitter thing. Well, it's only for a few weeks. I think she'll need some time off and she'll need a lot of support from us, but she has to do this. I know it's a big ask, but I've saved up a few favours, you know. Maybe she could look after Henry better back home. He didn't know why he said that. Not having her nose rubbed in how much fun we're having on tour. I did think of that at first. But I really don't want to be so far from Henry. It's just simple selfishness. I did consider it. I didn't know what to do for the best. But if it doesn't work for Esme, being here, I'll suggest that instead. Ernest nodded. He didn't know what he wanted. Drink up. Let's go and see how they're doing. He'd better be in bed and asleep. After they arrived back at the hotel, Ernest sat alone at the bar. It wasn't busy, but he sat in the back corner, away from the staff. He had a clear line of sight to the revolving doors of the main entrance. Ernest still had his overcoat on with the shades. He sighed and put them on the table. He pinched the bridge of his nose. In his jacket pocket, Ernest carried a packet that was rather like a small bag of sugar. And this was wrapped in clear but thick plastic. His first half kilo was about to leave the nest, and he felt relieved. No matter how unlikely they were to get searched, Ernest felt that the sooner he was rid of the stuff, the better. Although he had never met his customer tonight, he figured he could pick him out the second he arrived. He had been recommended through friends, and had asked all the right questions on the phone. They had even rehearsed a simple switch sequence that would happen in the gent's toilet. Ernest had described exactly where to find it on the phone as well. Not that he was nervous, but he did want to come across as professional. 
he had hopes the guy would come back for more. A few minutes after midnight, a guy in a suit strode through the doors and across the hall. Surprisingly, he didn't start to check in, which meant he was already staying here or... Ernest became nervous. He didn't expect many people to be wandering in here after midnight, which made him think this could be his guy. But he was smart, professional-looking, like he could find plenty of legitimate ways to earn a living. Are you Ernest? the guy asked. Ernest nodded and gestured to a seat across the table. The guy sat down. They had rehearsed a little banter. I don't have long, said the guy. I'm sorry, I've been holding it. Do you mind if I use the gents? I'll show you where they are, Ernest replied, finding his heart racing for no reason. He followed the guy into the gents, showed him the packet in his coat pocket. The guy brought out the money, and while Ernest counted it, he made a token gesture of checking the cocaine. Seems fine, thanks a lot, but I've got to run to another meeting. Money checks out. Thanks. Ernest made a sloppy, lazy military salute gesture and the man left. A handshake didn't seem right, but he didn't want to show his nerves. As soon as the guy was through the door, Ernest shoved the money into his jacket and burst through one of the cubicle doors, retching. He wasn't sick, but he wasn't right either. No matter how much he talked it down in his mind, and no matter that he had carried the drugs for nearly two weeks, it all felt very wrong. Sometime tomorrow, he promised himself, he would have a good think about his motives for this. Helping Henry, yes, but at what risk? And how would he make Georgia accept the money?